Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazar! Gonna go! Touchdown! Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, breaking away. Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for another edition of the State of the Jets Roundtable with a return guest. He comes on at least once a year. Glad that he's able to do it, especially now that he just got an outstanding job opportunity. Not only is he the senior political correspondent for National Review and a multi-time author and a podcast host of several different podcasts, but he's also now a columnist at the Washington Post, which is about the highest honor that you can get if you're somebody that works in journalism, Jim Garrity. Jim, thanks so much for coming back on the show and congratulations on the new job, man. Well, Scott, thank you very much for having me. Um, one of the, it, it is a, a great opportunity. Uh, thankfully, I don't have to write about the commanders. Uh, <laughs> I am based in the Northern Virginia area and the local sports radio is absolutely convinced that things are going to go great this year under Ron Rivera and stuff like that. And I kind of chuckle. The Commanders are one of those few franchises we've been able to point our fingers at and laugh in the last few years. So they got rid of Dan Snyder. So I suppose there's some hope now. But, uh, yeah, no, I find myself in a weirdly – the history of the Jets have conditioned me to expect the worst to happen. So to head into this season with Aaron Rodgers, with a whole bunch of new talent, with the def- offensive defensive rookie of the year, it's a really weird feeling, Scott, to actually feel <laughs> optimistic and enthusiastic about the season approaching. Well, I can only assume, Jim, that the biggest reason that you're optimistic for 2023 is because the Jets got Aaron Rodgers. As we know, last year, the Jets had a really strong roster and they were competitive in a lot of games that they might have won if they'd had better quarterback play. 
They had arguably the worst quarterback play in the league last year. Now they get Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers seemed to be on the decline last year. How much of that was because of his injured thumb and a new supporting cast? How much of that is because he's just getting older? That's something we'll find out. But I think it's undeniable that no matter how much he may have fallen off, he's still a thousand times better than anything the Jets would have had last year. So we'll start with Aaron Rodgers. How excited are you for the move? And how much do you think it does for the team? Yeah, well, Scott, I do follow the uh, the Twitter account Freezing Cold Takes, <laughs> and none of my assessments have ever been featured there. Uh, apparently, I, I assume I'm not a particularly big deal in the sports world. But you can find a tweet of mine from early in the offseason where it looked like Lamar Jackson really wanted out of Baltimore. And the two big names that were available after, I think it was you know, Garoppolo got signed and uh, David Carr got signed, I'm sorry, uh, Derek Carr got signed. I, I said I'd rather have Lamar Jackson younger and in place for a lot of years than Aaron Rodgers. I'm hoping for that to be spotlighted on freezing cold takes. I am hoping for that to look silly. Um, I was initially not enthusiastic about Aaron Rodgers for the age issues, for the fear that uh, as he approaches 40 years old, he's going to be uh, a shadow of what he once was. And also, I don't think I liked the... Um, the sideshow, the circus-like atmosphere that he had had for the last couple of seasons and the constant will he or won't he Hamlet routine about retirement and things like that. And then the Jets got serious. And one of the things that I will note is that Aaron Rodgers, since he's come to the Jets, has been a model citizen uh, and has really wholeheartedly embraced the role of being a quarterback in New York. He's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. He's going out and meeting with all of his teammates. Um, and as far as we in the public can tell, it's all smiles. It's all enthusiasm. Everybody, he's happy to be here and everybody else is happy to be here. So it's all systems go. So I, you know, I'm now wholeheartedly ready. I'm jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, yes, I was one of those people who was saying that if you want to be the next quarterback of the New York Jets, probably the best way to prepare is to spend 96 hours in a dark place with no sense of light <laughs> and no sense of hope and and all of that. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think it's not only does Rogers look healthy and seem healthy, uh, I would not be surprised if we ended up with a Aaron Rodgers who has a chip on his shoulder, who hears the talk that he's gotten too old, that he's on the decline and all that stuff, and who really wants to demonstrate, no, this was a combination of the thumb injury and other injuries and problems around Green Bay, maybe some clashes with the coaching staff there. And Aaron Rodgers, when you give him Garrett Wilson and Aaron Lazard and Nicole Hardman and Gary Davis and a healthy Brees Hall and all of these other weapons on the offense, that Aaron Rodgers can you know easily pass for 4,000 yards and 20-some touchdowns and uh, hopefully only a handful of interceptions and have at minimum, a Pro Bowl year, if not something that approaches those MVP years, which were really not that long ago. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. 
I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Do you think that Aaron Rodgers being so close with Zach Wilson elevates the possibility that not only do the Jets have their quarterback for right now, but maybe they still have their quarterback of the future in Zach Wilson because history appears to be working against the Jets when it comes to this proposition. We can't really find a parallel where somebody started off this poorly, stayed with the same team, and completely turned it around when a veteran quarterback came in. But Rodgers and Wilson have this very close relationship that was pre-existing to when Rodgers came to town. And Rodgers, unlike the situation with Jordan Love or when Rodgers was dealing with Brett Favre, seems to truly care about Wilson and want him to succeed. It seems to be important to him to mentor this kid and help him become successful. And for Wilson's part, he's saying all the right things. It sounds like he's doing all the right things. Where are you on this? Do you think it's legitimately possible that Zach Wilson could be resurrected and end up eventually becoming the Jets quarterback again? Well, Scott, my first thought is from your lips to God's ears and may things play out that way for Zach Wilson. Um, I'm not optimistic about it. I I, I think obviously the Jets should be prepared for Zach Wilson to not be significantly better than what we saw from him over the last two years. I I will note, though, again, like having Aaron Rodgers as your somebody to to sit on the bench and study and, and listen to and just absorb everything he knows about playing foot the position of quarterback in the NFL you really can't ask for a better uh, situation than that. Um, this is a circumstance of no pressure for Zach Wilson. I think you're correct that they're really, if you haven't been good in your first two years as quarterback, there aren't a ton of examples of success stories. I do think there's kind of like three three names that come to mind who might be uh, somewhat comparable. And then the irony is two of them are Jets. Um put me as one of the people who did not think before last year we were ever going to hear the name Geno Smith again in any you know context of greatness or significance. But Geno Smith had a fantastic year. Now, we'll see if that's a one-year wonder or if he really has had this late career renaissance uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. But I think that you know jumps out as a guy who, you know, clearly there are some guys who will just out of nowhere get significantly better later in their career. Um, actually, I didn't think of it. Okay, let me add a fourth name. Randall Cunningham with the... Uh, Minnesota Vikings at one point was just, you know, uh, phenomenal. Now, obviously, you know, at, at an older age, you know, injuries catch up with you and stuff. But he was a guy who had been good with the Eagles, but who then had this second period of golden years. Um, the other great irony is I think Sam Darnold, you're hearing really, you know, the San Francisco fans are saying he's the best quarterback in camp and that he looks terrific. Now, lots of guys look great, look great in the offseason, uh, you know, training and stuff like that. So, I wouldn't count on Sam Darnold becoming a superstar, but it's conceivable that he ends up becoming a solid quarterback in a system that's uh, uh, made, you know, Brock Purdy look like a superstar. 
Um, the other name that comes to mind, again, I don't know if I remember how he was as a rookie in that first two years, but I think it's safe to say those first couple seasons, Ryan Tannehill was nothing special. And I think with the Titans, he really turned into, if not a superstar, then a very solid playoff caliber, game managing, isn't going to lose the game for you kind of quarterback. And I'd love to see that from Zach Wilson. Uh, because, and I guess what what really made last season frustrating, besides the fact that the, you know, the book on Wilson coming out of the draft was that, oh, he's such a smart kid and he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Well, I think, you know, when we saw Zach Wilson in a Jets uniform, we did see him make the same mistake twice. We did see, you know, there did not seem to be this natural talent who, who you know, uh, developed and grew and progressed, you know, year, you know, game by game, season by season. And then secondly, um, I, I you kind of wonder how differently Zach Wilson's career would have been if after that New England game, he went out and said, yes, I screwed up. I let my teammates down. I lost us that game. I have to do better and put it all on me. Don't blame my teammates. Instead, Wilson kind of said the opposite and said he didn't feel like he'd let the team down. And I think that uh, I think at that point, Salah was afraid of losing the locker room, that he had to make a change. The veterans didn't respect talk like that. And I kind of wonder, you know, that um, I don't think Zach Wilson is a bad guy, but I think that was a really bad moment that uh, was probably going to stick with him for a while. Jim, what do you think about what the Jets did in the offseason beyond Aaron Rodgers? The draft, free agency, they went and got two of Aaron Rodgers' old buddies at wide receiver, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. Elijah Moore's gone. Braxton Berrios is gone. Right now, the receiving core seems to be somewhat close to what it was last year, but the big hope is that Garrett Wilson will take an even bigger step despite being so good last year already as a rookie and winning offensive rookie of the year. And then you look around at the rest of the roster. They got Chuck Clark, who's now hurt, and then went out and got Adrian Amos to replace him. They bring in Quentin Jefferson and Al Woods, lose Sheldon Rankins and Nathan Shepard. And it really sort of seems like the Jets' strategy here is banking on the younger players to continue to ascend while bringing in Aaron Rodgers to be the piece that pushes them over the top. Is that how you see it? And do you think the Jets did enough to put the right pieces around Aaron Rodgers, give him enough ammo to really compete with teams like the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals? Yeah, I, I don't think there's been any move this offseason that's had me looking at my computer screen or something. Oh, my God, what are they doing? You know, all of them have a certain logic to them. Um, I would have loved to have seen Braxton Berrios turn into a Jets superstar. He did make the Pro Bowl as a kick returner a few years back, but no getting around it. Last season was disappointing. I think that dropped pass in the Minnesota Vikings game was just heartbreaking. And I, it doesn't surprise me that the Jets wanted to get bigger at the receiver position. Um, Elijah Moore leaving so early in his Jets career is a little disappointing. It certainly points to differences with the coaching staff and management. Uh, I think Elijah Moore's call for a trade, I believe it was after the Jets had won like three games in a row and the whole team's feeling terrific. The fans are feeling terrific. Everybody's feeling good about where the Jets were going last year. And then Elijah Moore calls for a trade that really did send the wrong message and kind of uh, soured that. So, you know, I, I think I think he'll thrive in Cleveland. I think uh, Cleveland will be very happy with that. Glad we could get that uh, draft pick back. Um, so, you know, if you, you lose those two guys, but I don't feel like they were the centerpiece of, uh, of the offense. Elijah Moore could disappear for whole games. And when I, you know, when, as soon as I heard, ah, oh, you know, 
Aaron Rodgers is going to be kind of the assistant general manager here. He's going to be, you know, just making a whole bunch of, if not, a, he won't be making the calls, but he'll have a strong say in the personnel moves. I'll admit I had a little bit of dread in that. Randall Cobb is quite seasoned, um, but the fact that he is right now probably fifth on the depth chart behind Wilson, Lazard, Hardman, and I assume Corey Davis. Uh, if Randall Cobb is our fourth receiver, I'll be a little bit uh, nervous about that. Um, but you look at that and you say, okay, you know, uh, Garrett Wilson certainly looks like he's going to be a superstar, has all the tools and managed to have that offensive rookie of the year and a thousand yards and all those other, uh, achievements in a year where Zach Wilson was not playing very well as quarterback, where Mike White played well for a couple of games and then basically had his rib cage shattered all over the field, uh, in one of those games. Um, and then Flacco, with the exception of the Cleveland game, really has never amounted to much in a Jets uniform. Um, so imagine, you know, what Garrett Wilson could do with a really good quarterback who could put the ball in his hands in motion and, you know, hit him in stride and, you know, just has great better instincts for that. Lazard looks really solid. It looks like he's going to be the second one. I have no real uh, – it's a fine pickup. And the fact that, uh, you know, he's got such chemistry with, uh, uh, with Rodgers is a good sign. Um, Hardman is, I think, really kind of the really interesting chess piece. And you look, you look at his highlight film and you, you know, his highlights from his NFL career. And he just looks like a guy who can fly at any given moment. The question will be, can you get the ball in his hands in space? Um, Corey Davis, uh, you know, we all expected him to be traded at some point this offseason. He hasn't. I've heard some people saying that's an indication that Aaron Rodgers thinks highly of Corey Davis. If Corey Davis is going to be the fourth wide receiver on this team. He's going to have a lot of mismatches and he could end up, you know, uh, you know, you'd see him being big on third down. Um, a name I have not mentioned because I last saw him on the side of a milk carton is Denzel Mims. I think like a lot of fans, it was a you know great flashes as a rookie he really has disappeared since then. A couple of really stupid penalties and just a frustrating uh, yet another Jets second round pick that has not turned into what uh, what we wanted to say. Um, thinking around just so the, the rest of the other, you know, uh, offseason picks, I, I Almost all of them, you're like, okay, that's solid. Wes Schweitzer, uh, as a you know, for one of your backup guards, Billy Turner. Um, look, this guy is not going to be a pro bowler, but he's going to be a guy who you can rely on, who's got you know, who knows the system, knows Rodgers. And if something happens with one of our tackles, you can plug him in for a couple of games and feel pretty good about that. I love the Chuck Clark signing. Uh, and then of course, he got injured after apparently like not missing a play for four years. Puts on the Jets uniform, and I don't think he, you know, tore his ACL putting the uniform on, but it happened so quickly, he might as well have done it while signing the contract. It's really infuriating. That's life as the Jets. The only thing that makes it uh, easier to bear is the recognition that every team has injuries like this. As far as I know, Amos is a, a good enough sign. I am a little bit nervous about the uh, the safeties, um, but when you have three really good cornerbacks, it makes it a little bit easier to deal with that. Um, you know, this, this by and large on paper, Joe Douglas has assembled a really solid roster. Um, there are some things that worry me about this coming season, but I think you, for obvious reasons, Jet fans should feel like this is the best roster since at least 2015. And maybe like, you know, since the classic Rex years, uh, of, you know, the Sanchez years and that killer defense and, and all that. Jim, any thoughts on the draft? And also, where are you at with Joe Douglas and Robert Sala right now? Do you think that they've proven that they're the guys that are the right ones to lead the Jets into the future? So I think it was around somewhere in the, when it looked like the Jets were down by two touchdowns 
uh, in the Cleveland game, week two of last year. Um, I, I tweeted out with, with great frustration that there was not any evidence that Joe Douglas was an above average general manager. And that so far, I remember Sala had made his receipts comment um, that, you know, I didn't see any evidence that Robert Sala was an above average coach. I didn't think he was a bad coach, but I think there was, you know, he'd been there in a year and, you know, one or two games. And there was not evidence that Zach Wilson was an above average quarterback. Well, <laughs> I think we have a clearer answer on Wilson so far. Um Regarding the draft, I was among everybody else who was expecting them to take an offensive lineman, looking for somebody you can plug in at one of the tackle positions for the next decade or so. I am very intrigued by Will McDonald IV. Um, I'll admit I do not pretend to have been you know, big on him before the draft or really knowing that much about him. You watch the tape on this guy. Um, really intriguing. Uh, and the possibility of him and Bryce Huff at some point being the um, and you know, throw in Jermaine Johnson, the idea of the Jets having three really solid uh, defensive ends for the years to come. Really, really satisfying. Uh, alongside, I'm hoping as of this, you know, as of this recording, Quinn and Williams does not have a contract. I'm hoping by the time people listen to that, he has a contract during the coming days or certainly before training camp. Um, to the extent the Jets have had success under Salah, it has come when that front four by itself can really disrupt and get to the quarterback. Um, getting a bunch of sacks. I'd love to see a few more strip sacks and fumbles and things like that. Um, so, you know, this is potential. Once you do that and you have, you know, are, you know, certainly the, the phenom, the, the, you know, the face of the franchise, Sauce Gardner, who's already appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I'm hoping the curse is long gone. Um, DJ Reed, who may be quietly one of the best free agent signings of this team in many years. Uh, and then you throw in, um, Michael Carter, the second as the slot cornerback, uh, you know, you can hand that. That's a, that's a really good off, you know, you have a couple of shutdown corners and a good pass rush and somebody like CJ Mosley, who's able to direct traffic in the middle. That's the pieces of a really good, uh, defense. And I know that the jets had three pro bowlers on the defensive side of the ball, and no one on the offensive side of the ball, which I think said a great deal. We should also throw out, uh, point out that uh, um, uh, Justin Hardy made it as a special teamer. So add all that up. Like I said, Joe Douglas has done a fairly solid job of assembling a roster. I think that uh, up until last season or this 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 can, this off season, you would have said Joe Douglas can get phenomenal value in trades. Looking at the Jamal Adams trade and the Sam Darnold trade. But his drafts were eh, kind of weak. Uh, Mecky Becton is the only one who's really left from that first one. Um, I'm hoping Mecky Becton's knee holds out. He certainly looked good as a rookie. It's really tough for a guy to come back from missing two straight years. Not impossible, but it you know it. it I understand that you know on, on social media, Mecky Becton was saying he wants to be a left tackle, not a right tackle. Like uh, Mecky, I love you. Let's just get you on the field. Let's just see what you can do. The day will come when maybe you can be a phenomenal left tackle again. You really look promising your your rookie season, but it's been a long time since we've seen you on that field, and we want to make sure that you can stay on that field. Um, you know, so I, I think that uh, the drafts of Douglas look a lot better with last year, looking phenomenal. Little little hit and miss before then, um, but I, you look at this roster and overall, overall looks solid. I also feel like Douglas and Sala understood that if they didn't make the playoffs this year. Um, then that they might not be around. That I think, you know, three years is kind of now the new standard. And if an NFL coach has and, and the general manager have not generated a a sniff of a playoff hunt, 
uh, if not a playoff appearance, then the you know the owner is completely within his rights to say, you know what, I don't think you guys are the guys. Time to move on and try somebody else. Jim, what are your realistic expectations for the Jets this season? What do you think their ceiling is? Um, well, I'll begin by saying if they don't make the playoffs, then yes, it's a failure. Uh, I don't know if you feel the need to uh, get rid of Douglas, get rid of Sala, um, and and clean house. But I think with 17 games in the season and seven playoff spots, it's really reasonable to look at this roster and say, I expect you to get 10 wins or 11, whatever that minimum you need to get into the playoffs is there. Actually, I look at this and I think pound for pound, the Jets can compete with probably just about anybody in the AFC. It's not saying they're the best team in the AFC. I think Kansas City is the best until somebody else proves otherwise. I think Cincinnati is the second best until somebody proves otherwise. I think Buffalo is probably better than the Jets, although I think the way you know Cincinnati kicked them around the field is going to have people shaking. And the Jets managed to beat Buffalo with Zach Wilson at quarterback last year, and they they were in that second game. So I think the Jets and the Bills are at a competitive level, and I think the Jets should be aiming to win. Obviously, you want to win every game, but I think you know 12, 13, 14 wins should be what they're aiming for in an AFC East title. And a home playoff game. I, I think all of that is, you know, within their uh, grasp and a reasonable expectation with this team. I think what I actually expect is something probably in that 10 win, 11 win, maybe 12 win range. And look, if they end up with a, you know, similar record to Buffalo and they lose the tiebreaker or, uh, you know, it's if they're if they're a high wild card team, it's not a failure of a season. It's reasonable. I do want to see a playoff win. Uh, I do want to see a um just to be you, you are now in the top tier of the AFC when you have Aaron Rodgers and you have this much talent and you have an offensive line that looks solid for now uh I said we'll see if Mecky Becton's knee holds out we'll see if Dwayne Brown is uh you know fully recovered from that shoulder of last year Lakin Tomlinson really needs to get be be the guy the Jets expected him to be uh Elijah Vera Tucker I assume will be 100% coming back from that injury he was the one guy you felt like you never had to worry about and I'd like to see, you know, Joe Tittman, the rookie, uh, replace Connor McGovern as soon as possible. Uh, but you look at all that, you look at the receivers, you look at the tight ends, you look at the running back room um, and the, you know, what I assume they will very gently ease Brees Hall into the games uh, in the early part of the season. Um, you look at all that, that's probably the best offense the Jets have had in many years and probably the best defense the Jets have had in many years. So they should be a playoff team. And I think, you know, getting to the AFC championship game and losing to Kansas City, uh, you know, in Kansas City or something like that, that would be a, I think you look at that and you'd say, okay, good building block of a season. Let's make sure Rodgers comes back for at least one more year. And, you know, 2024 will be the, you know, will be the Jets year. Possibly even 2025 if we can persuade Aaron Rodgers to stick around. But I think Jets fans should have high expectations of this team. Now, God forbid, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt maybe this season, you know, looks really bad and all that stuff. And I, I I think one of the things you mentioned, you know, you asked me about Zach Wilson. I don't know if I love the idea of Zach Wilson having to play eight or nine games this year. Three games, okay, maybe he'll be all right. You know, maybe he can be a, a game manager. I, I don't, I haven't heard any talk about Tim Boyle being a serious factor in the Jets quarterback situation. So I wouldn't mind some other figure to step in to be the competent game manager for a couple of games. Um but yeah, no, I, I think the sky's the limit. I think we should be, a, we are we are starved for victories. We are starved for playoff excitement. Um, 
I, I am still a little angry about how badly the Jets faded at the end of the year and how utterly uncompetitive they didn't score a touchdown in those final three games. Um, so it's really weird to be in this optimistic position when you could be really irked with the way the Jets ended last year. But, you know, all, all the pieces are in place. There's really there are no more excuses anymore. Jim Garrity, senior political correspondent for National Review, podcast host, author extraordinaire, and of course now columnist over at the Washington Post. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And also I appreciate the fact that your streak continues. The streak of you not calling me Rich or Greg. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've had to get better at that. So Scott, that that's a, you haven't been in the rotation, so it's, it seems unusual <laughs> to talk to you. So it's good to it's good to hear your voice again. For those that are unaware, the other two podcasts that Jim does are with Rich Lowry at National Review and Greg Corumbus. That's the Three Martini Lunch. Jim has yet to refer to me by one of those two names, but sometimes he flips their names when he does those two podcasts. So, Jim, I appreciate you finding a way to get my name right. Sorry, Rich. Sorry, Greg. You're not as cool as me. I think that's pretty much the conclusion we have to draw. <laughs> Do my best to come back during the season. Hopefully when we're talking about the uh, – hopefully the Jets start out that tough six-game stretch, four and two. I live with three and three. But hopefully be at like, you know, seven and and uh, three or, you know, so we'll, we'll be at some like really strong position at the midpoint. I'll be very happy to come on and say, yes, I absolutely, I completely foresaw all of this coming. Or if things don't go according to plan, you can come on and we can commiserate like we usually do. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a much more familiar option. <laughs> Jim, as always, really appreciate you coming on. For people that want to check out your work, you're pretty much everywhere these days. I love what you said to me before we started recording. You said you haven't bitten off more than you can chew, but you've bitten off the maximum of what you can chew. So talk about where people can find your work and how they can interact with you on social media. Sure. Sadly, uh, my comments about the Jets are usually stray little asides in the Morning Jolt newsletter that I write for National Review. Uh, it is subscri subscriber-based, but you also can uh, read it on the website at nationalreview.com. Uh, I also write for The Corner and, and articles over there. Uh, as mentioned, I'm a columnist for The Washington Post, uh, washingtonpost.com. Go to the opinion section, um, appearing roughly once a week there. Um, I do a daily podcast on weekdays with Greg Columbus called the three martini lunch. You can find that at ricochet and then where fine, wherever you find your fine your fine podcasts, you can find them there. And, uh, in between everything else, there's appearances on radio and television and, and all kinds of stuff like that. As mentioned, I, as I said to Scott, I'm, I'm running around with a chicken with my head cut off. I am managing to keep up with everything I need to do, but just barely. If you're among the teeming millions who listen to this podcast and I owe you a phone call, <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> I love how you own right up to it, Jim. <laughs> appreciate yeah. you coming on, sir. Make sure you check out everything that Jim is doing. As he said, he's got a lot of irons in the fire, so you can find him pretty much anywhere. You can find us anywhere, too. Playlikeajet.com, the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, Awesome All 22 breakdowns up there. Watch our videos. Subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash Jet. Visit our store, TPUB. Public.com. That's teepublic.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. Teepublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time. Doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you can go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. 
That's play like a jet digital and playlikeajet.com. <laughs>